0: Hercules Gomez, Christina Alexander with you. It. Football America! Shout out to Sebi, too. I only hear it from him. so it's I can't do it today. With bear it, with me. Yeah, I, I wonder why. No, he, you say that and you're done for the rest of the, yes, <laughs> of the I, I show, Yes, I would
1: be. Too.
2: It's one and out, one and out.
0: Uh, I love these doppelganger uh, kind of, uh, you know, entertainment that they do in the stadiums. The Salata one was good. They have to work really quickly to do that, too. Right. I'm, I'm always right. impressed. Uh, I love the Kevin Bruyne reaction one because the guy's <laughs> like, nope. I don't agree. Or maybe he doesn't
2: He had no idea who he was. Who he was.
0: Yeah, yeah and we're seeing that in hockey. Uh, we got some great stuff for you guys today. Uh, a little bit of debate to start off the show. Uh, why not? Uh, be sure to, of course, tune in always to our, our football Américas podcast. Gio Reina. Yeah, this is still a topic that's going on. Is this call up in jeopardy? I don't know if we'll have the answer, but we'll try to find it. Herx says absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad you guys are here. Football America's podcast. Now let's start with what I just said, the little bit of debate. Why not? The NBC had their best 11 after this weekend. And of course, there's Ricardo Pepi. For the month of February. Yeah, for the month of February. So that's good for you. That's good news. Ricardo Pepe, now he's your boy. Edson oh. Alvarez is there as well.
2: Well, this is dominated by pretty much Fayenor, Ajax uh, and PSV. And then you have Ricardo Pepi there. But look at Edson Alvarez, who's showing up as a center back. That's interesting because yeah. he's trying to play center back and he's a very good player. But surprising to see a player like Ricardo Pepe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Ricardo Pepe's there. Uh, who's not there is Santiago Jimenez which I was kind of surprised with. Were you surprised to not see him there? He's been very active, of course, scoring a lot of goals for Feyenoord lately.
2: Yeah, first chance of the game right there for him. It's on his head. He should do better with it right at the goalkeeper. He's going to want that one back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other opportunity, of course, Still a nil-nil, and he's shown up in uh, very important situations for Feyenoord. Those six goals that he has so far in the Eredivisie, important goals as well in the cup. But yeah, yeah. they were suffering here against Groningen. Yeah,
2: Ricardo Pepi again with another opportunity. Maybe takes a bit too much, uh, yeah. too much time on the ball here. Should have pulled the trigger. Does not waits, attracts defenders, tops over the ball. But another chance for Ricardo Pepi.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Still a nil-nil. Feyenoord now on the attack sends it through it's still a complicated a complicated game not much was on their side
2: no it's another chance off the crossbar it's a a difficult header believe it or not off the crossbar and can't believe it you need a goal and here it is good cross in nobody touches it far post bounces in it's a keeper's nightmare it's a very good cross The a as some would say (laughs) the eventual game winner (laughs) and then oh Look at the combination play. Another chance right there. Off the post. Thinks it's going in. Do we have one? Yeah.
0: There it is. But, yeah, they called in offside. So, at the end of the day, it's 1-0 then for Feyenoord. But it's no doubt that, of course, Santiago Jimenez has been very important. But Ricardo Pepe has as well. Uh, so, this is a great question. Which national team missed their player the most? The U.S. with Pepi or Mexico with Jimenez during the World Cup?
2: All right, let me just start off by saying this, it's a travesty that these players weren't on their respective national teams. Santiago Jimenez left Liga MX as the current leading goal scorer to gamble on what is a playoff and his European adventure, knowing that that could possibly cost him his World Cup dream, and he parlayed it into what everybody thought was supposed to be that chance. But it's Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Ricardo Pepe was already part of the program. He was the program's second most important attacker under Greg Berhalter. It was Christian Pulisic, if you're going by the stats, by the goals, and then Ricardo Pepi. As a teenager who saved multiple times, not only his team, but his coach's job. That's a reality. So Ricardo Pepi, who at the advice of Greg Berhalter, goes to the Bundesliga to FC Augsburg, which was a terrible choice, doesn't play, has a rough go go of it. At the advice again of Greg Berhalter, switches leagues to the Eredivisie and starts tearing it up in league, in cup. He's back on the radar. He has to go. Greg Berhalter leaves off his only true proven goal scorer. Now, you can say Jordan Pivak is a proven goal scorer, and you may be right, and he was informed. But with the national team and at the club level, in multiple stops, it's only been Ricardo Pepe. So, while you're at the World Cup, and Josh Sargent, who I've said many times is the most talented nine you have... yeah is injured, or struggling, and you need a goal, you need somebody capable of fabricating something off a cross, or through spaces, or through tight lines, or combination play, whether with his feet right or left, or the head, you look to the bench, it's Haji Wright, which you don't trust. You look to the bench, it's Jesus Ferreira, who had a very rough go at it in the World Cup. It has to be Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe was so missed, so sorely missed, and till this day, we don't know if we'll see him again, at the national team level, regain that form.
0: Yeah, which would have been great because of of everything that you just mentioned and and what he can definitely offer and what the U.S. was missing. And I feel like it was kind of the same situation for the Mexican national team. Yeah. Because there was a lot of problems with the nine, and it was this debate whether to take Rogelio Funes Mori, whether uh, they should still take... Yeah, exactly. And he was injured. Speaking of injuries, too, Raul Jimenez, we know that he wasn't at his top form. He still hasn't been at his top form. And that was so painfully evident during the World Cup. Why not give a kid a chance because it's someone and he's not even necessarily a kid anymore. I say that kind of lightly uh, because he's still so young and he still has that that growing up to do. But he's done that growing up in such short, short amount of time. That decision to leave the Mexican League make the jump. He was having maybe not all the minutes that he wanted because he was coming off the bench still. He just started starting and now he's scoring goals. So I think Mexico could have really taken a chance with him, but I don't even think it would have been such a crazy chance with him. So like,
2: the yeah. only reason I don't go Santi Jimenez, who I think is an absolute baller, mm-hmm. um, the only reason I didn't go Santi Jimenez is because you look at the the, the year that Henry Martínez had, had with 10 goals last season yeah. and then 10 goals this season in that run also scoring against Real Madrid, Man City, and then scoring a goal in the World Cup, maybe if you give him more of a run he could have been feeling him, himself a little bit more. But Santiago Jimenez is 20 years old. So, not only is 21, not only is he the future, but he's your actual present. He's the leading goal scorer of the Europa League. Yeah. So, while Tata Martino, and this goes for Ricardo Pepe, while Tata Martino and Greg Berhalter were thinking about the moment and didn't take two informed strikers, in that not thinking about only the moment, they forgot about the future. Two players that would be very young and instrumental in your 2026 aspirations at the World Cup. So now Mexico doesn't have a player like Santi Jimenez with World Cup experience, who will surely be the man come 2026. That's why it's a hard pill to swallow.
0: Yeah, and I think it was just a, a big mistake, right, not taking someone like Santiago Jimenez with the form that he's showing at this moment. Of course, they couldn't predict the future. They don't have that magic eight ball to know that he was going to have this form. But Is it, it really imminent.
2: that hard of a prediction, though? That, like,
0: that's where I was going at, yeah. right? Because it wasn't that tough to see the potential yeah. that, this, that this kid had. And then the mentality to really just kind of put up with the pressure because we know uh, the success that that his father had in La Liga MX particularly in Cruz Azul. Yeah. So. He has the oh, debut. Yeah. He was sent off. I
2: like the better, Pachuca.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with that. But he still has that guidance, right? Yeah, and and absolutely. his parents have done such a great job of keeping his feet on the ground, of being really excited for what everything that he has to offer. And they've been really just taking it step by step. I think the first step towards Europe and the one that he's making right now is perfect. Uh, do I think he needs to make a move right now? That's a completely different conversation. But no. But what I'm getting at is that I think it was just such a missed opportunity tonight. That
2: massive missed opportunity and for staying on the subject of, of the importance of both players it wasn't too long ago MLS All-Star game a few years back here in Los Angeles at the Bank of California now BMO Stadium mm-hmm. uh, where we got to watch MLS All-Stars versus Liga Mickey's All-Stars up close and Sebastian Salazar sat at this very spot and asked me who you taking and, and this was why Ricardo Pepe was out and out goal scorer for the national team and Santi Jimenez not even on the radar for Tata Martina, uh, Martino, not even getting called up, yeah. I said, I'm taking Santi Jimenez. Yeah. That was then, I'm still leaning towards Santi Jimenez because of the intangibles. I mean, great size, very physical, fast. Yeah. Uh, he's starting to get more of a goal scorer's poaching mentality. Yep. Very good in combination play. And he's doing it and has been doing it at the European level. But it's very difficult for me to bet against a player like Ricardo Pepe mentally. He's your boy. Well, well, listen. I know you like him. No, I do, but yep. Ricardo Pepe, there, there is something about a player who takes things personally in the best way. Not being an idiot with your teammates, not being an idiot with the coaching staff. But when something goes against you, you use that as motivation. Ricardo Pepe literally had the coach of the national team, whose job he saved, tell him he couldn't go to the World Cup because he played in a league that wasn't physical enough. And he told him to go to said league And he's been doing nothing while other guys would have crumbled. He's been doing nothing but scoring goals in return. So it it speaks volumes, but it's very tough decision with these two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it speaks volumes for both of them and the reaction that they've had. Didn't get the opportunity. I'm not going to cry about it. Let's put in the work and they have put in the work. Uh, We're going to run it back, though, because we have a a lot of interesting situations that we've seen lately, of course, starting uh, with this play from Matthew Hoppe. He recorded his first SPL assist of the season, this in the Scottish Premier League. What do you think?
2: Very soft feet, uh, a very good layoff fall through, if you will. Look at this, presence of mind, a good soft feet, uh, right into his path, very nicely weighted. First assist, a goal last week, an assist this week. He's coming into his own. I know it's the Scottish Premier League, but you play where you play, you have to make the most of it and do well. He's doing that.
0: Yeah, and he is. We're taking it from Scotland to Portugal here with Alex Mendes. He got his first assist of the season in Portugal. Take a look at this.
2: Not bad. Alex Mendes is, a, is one of those creative wingers, if you will, midfield, volantes, mm-hmm. interiors that, that has a very good footballing IQ, perfect weight, and then, well, his teammate does the rest.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, but the, the vision just to see all that space that his teammate had down the field and, uh, uh-oh. Oh, come on, From on producer uh... Beto.
2: I, okay, he gets dunked on. <laughs> you don't have to put the label that they got dunked on. We could see that's just, honestly, it's it's one of those where Chelsea finally scores and it's at the expense of leads. Like, yeah, give me a break.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. They're both having a a rough time, too. Speaking of having a rough time, uh, Giovanni Reina, he recorded his third straight game without playing. He did meet with U.S. men's national team interim coach uh, Anthony Hudson, and he said that it was actually a, a positive meeting between the two Uh, We'll see what that will bring now for, for Giovanni Reina. I think it was important for whoever is in this role, whether it's me or someone else. The important thing now is to go and address the situation in Germany. It would be negligent of anyone who is in this role not to go and do that because he's an important player and we need to find a solution. He's a talented, important player, a young player, and it needed to be addressed. The way I look at it is in the World Cup camp, this happened. Uh, As soon as a staff made a decision to take action and there was a response from the player, a positive response. I'm not condoning anything that's happened, but it was more on a human level to go and see how he was as a young kid who had been who has been through a lot. Uh, What's your initial reaction to see this from Hudson who who mentioned how important he was about three or four times?
2: Yeah. Okay. I I think a lot of what I've been seeing is solution to what? Is there still a problem with Giovanni Reyna? Uh, my initial reaction is it's not that there's still a problem with Giovanni Reyna. He addresses a problem that happened at the World Cup. So one would assume, like he says, you handle that with said player and you move on. The problem is you didn't move on. Yeah. The problem is Greg Berhalter at a symposium spoke about a player who was indisciplined and how they handled it. Everybody deciphered that it was Giovanni Reyna, and the fallout that led to the Reina family, his parents, reaching out to the federation, speaking ill of Greg Berhalter and his family, and the fallout that is today there's too much water under this bridge and that's why it seems like the most rational thing to do is from somebody in the federation anthony hudson in this case to go and visit a player in giovanni reyna who's not been playing lately yeah so you got to figure out why he's not been playing lately one is it health because he's got his fair share fair share of health issues fitness is he not well, why fit? not say it well is he not fit two Is it more? Is it something mentally? Is he not in the right state of mind? Or is there a problem within the team? You need to figure that out because there's still this lingering dark cloud over Giovanni Reyna and what it will be like the very first time he's in that U.S. Men's National Team camp, that setup. And the only person that was there that's in charge right now, that's a reality because it's not going to be Ernie Stewart. It's not going to be Brian McBride. It's Anthony Hudson. Whether any of us would like that to be the case or not, that's the reality. So I see nothing wrong with an Anthony Hudson in a very mature way going to see how this 20-year-old kid is doing.
0: Yeah, basically a great reaction as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, th- this is a really tough situation. We don't know if Giovanni Reyna was actually the one who asked for his parents to do what we already uh, know happened, or right, or yeah, yeah, exactly. So we don't know the behind the scenes. What we what we do know now is that yeah, I agree. It's it's an important reaction from Hudson. Uh, but my question to you is how in jeopardy is now Giovanni Reyna's. Career with the U.S. Men's National Team and in general in the club, oh, no, no, you're not
2: worried. No no, 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 not at all. Listen, the U.S. Men's National Team doesn't have the luxury mm-hmm. of turning away quality players. Certainly not the player with the highest ceiling, probably of any player So you're in its are seeing him in March for the U.S. Men's Absolutely. League? You bring him in. You see what he's like with the players. And with all due respect to Anthony Hudson, you're a care- you're a caretaker, and you're doing a very good job of doing these things. But It doesn't matter what Anthony Hudson gives the federation in response of what he sees. Because ultimately, whether Giovanni Reina stays or not, is not up to Anthony Hudson. That's a reality. Whoever the next coach may be or the next sporting director, that's going to be on them. Anthony Hudson right now is just following suit, doing his job. If so, I mean, it's a very obvious job from my perspective. Somebody should have checked on him. Obviously, it's not going to be Greg Berhalter. It's not going to be uh, Ernie Stewart or Brian McBride. Who's next in line? It's Anthony Hudson, so it makes sense. But at the club level, are they checking on him? Just on a personal level. Because they could pick up the phone and ask the club what's going on, but there's nothing like going straight and, and getting the answer from the horse's mouth. Gio, what's going on, my man? Why aren't you playing? What's on your mind? What do you think? What do you feel? Because Gio can very easily say, well, you know what, mentally I'm not there with my injury, if that was the case. Or he could just say, Man, I'm not getting on the field because have you seen us play? We're winning. They don't need me on the field. I scored three straight goals in three straight games, and then the next game's like, we don't get scored on. I'm not on the field. Like, we keep winning. I don't have arguments to get on the field right now. That could be another thing. And honestly, if his hands are tight, his hands are tight. But you talk to the player.
0: Yeah. And what I'm thinking now is that maybe Anthony Hudson, if he doesn't call Gio Reyna up, can use this as an excuse.
2: If Anthony Hudson not playing. does not call up Gio Reyna, there are some questions to be asked about Anthony Hudson. That's very simple. Like what? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like This is one of your most talented players. The camp of the U.S. men's national team, the setup, the pool does not have the luxury of turning quality players away. This is one bad string of results away from being a disaster. You're a laughingstock and an embarrassment for how things went down in the landscape with Greg Berhalter, with the Reynas, with Ernie Stewart and the Federation, Brian McBride and his exit. All you need now is a string of bad results while you have this interim and something happens like you don't qualify or something happens like you don't even make it to the finals of the Nations League or the Gold Cup for this to go sideways. You don't start by trying to force your hand or make a name for yourself by not calling in Giovanni Reyna if you're Anthony Hudson.
0: I just hope that this drama doesn't get in the way of a talented player, like you said. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, from Giovanni Reina. You
2: you can't forget that he's because he's still a kid. Yeah. And and I don't care how good he is as a footballer, he's still forming himself as a person. And it's a lot of pressure, especially in today's social media world, to turn on that phone and see everything that's written about you.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's where we saw everything kind of just unravel. Uh, was on a social media platform. All right, let's take it to, uh, we're sticking with Anthony Hudson, actually, because he's been approached by Oman and Iran. Of course, this news coming from Lizzie Uh What do you think about this? A possibility to see him elsewhere, being, at the end of the day, the interim coach of the U.S. Men's National Team.
2: Okay, so Anthony Hudson's been on a, a, a couple out, outlets lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one that you just mentioned was at 90minutes.com. He was, uh, mm-hmm. via The Athletic, in an interview. We, we got a chance to really see Anthony Hudson Anthony Hudson's not dumb Anthony Hudson realized New Zealand and Colorado were some time ago and if he has a chance of maximizing this opportunity it may be now he realizes he probably won't be the coach of the U.S. Men's national team when they make a final decision this is good on his part
0: yeah yeah absolutely with uh, Oman or or Iran of course this opportunity to be uh, a head coach especially after having that experience in the World Cup but we'll have to see where this story ends now with Anthony Hudson, not only the Giovanni Reina, but, of course, thinking about his own career in the next few years. I want to remind you guys to, of course, check out all of the Bundesliga this weekend. They are all available on ESPN+. Don't miss out.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
1: Must be 21-plus in present select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: All right, we're going to take it to the Liga MX. Uh, we talked about the possibility of seeing America still being very strong at home. It was a completely different situation when we saw, of course, Pachuca. Uh, kind of have a little bit of a field day, although it wasn't all bad all the time, time for
2: America. America first, but yeah, look at this. This is just, uh, as uh, Stevie Nichols say, sixes and sevens defensively. <laughs> Somebody, please, anybody, mark up optional defending. And then, uh oh, Oscar Jimenez, this may be one you want back through his legs very easy first 10 minutes and it's already 2-0
0: yeah and the face on oscar jimenez kind of says it all this is another opportunity of course at the 16th minute and there it was israel reyes he tries the header yeah at the end of the day rightfully called back yep
2: yeah nothing to complain about here i'm sure you'll still find something to complain about if you are americanista i'm talking to you sebastian salazar Uh, I agree with you, Herc. What a what a season for Cabecita. Uh, he still hasn't really got himself going. And right here is the question. Is he offside? Is he onside? Very good finish from Diego Valdez. Yeah. Fireworks are going. Uh, call it back. Call yeah. it back. Maybe they shouldn't do the fireworks. Um, yeah. Before the he's coming reaction. back from an off by his position. But yeah. then this. Oscar Jimenez, you need to parry this wide, not back into the middle. Yeah, that's an assist for
0: him. And, and it's terrible. And he knows it, too. The look on his face says it all. What does Dan Ortiz say about it?
3: Primero, individualmente no hablo nunca, no sé por qué me vuelven a preguntar con algo que no voy a contestar. Segundo, a mí el equipo me gustó, el equipo me gustó, el equipo intentó en los 95 minutos ir a buscar el resultado de la forma que nosotros siempre intentamos. ¿No fuimos eficaces? No nos fuimos eficaces. ¿Fueron eficaces? Sí, fueron eficaces. ¿Duele? Sí, duele, claro, sí. El resto lo analizo tranquilo en la oficina cuando esté solo.
0: When he's by himself and when he's calm, says uh, Tano Ortiz. Uh, Should he get lost?
2: Yeah, but I'm scared he might yell at me.
0: He's very defensive. (laughs) But get
2: lost, you like the team? Come on, man. Like, I understand you have to defend the players. I'm with it, coach. You have to defend the players. But it was 2-0 10 minutes in. Yeah. It was 3-0 the 28th minute. I don't care what you say about you had a few goals called back. The 4-5-0 were closer than a 3-1. Then a 3-2, that's a reality. Opening minutes of the second half, there's another chance that Pachuca misses. You, you can't for the life of me sit there with a straight face no matter how you try to defend your team and say you liked what you saw from them. No. I get it, but you have to be self-aware of where you are, and by that I mean it's Club America. They're held to a stern standard. Not because you and I put that standard on them. They put that standard on themselves. Yeah. So all you're doing is increasing the pressure for the same players you are trying to protect.
0: Yeah, I keep going with their uh, hate me more campaign, <laughs> right? Yeah, but the nice. fans are are kind of on their way to, to hate them a bit more with these kind of results because of that pressure that you were talking about and, and kind of surrounding this team, too. Uh, and I think if they take anything positive from this, Fernando Ortiz, it would be, all right, I can use this game and learn from it. Uh, but how... How much can he learn from from this game and what not to do, which seems to be a lot?
2: Yeah, it's a loaded question because it's not like it's a one-time incident when it comes with Club America. These are signals, these are cues that have been going on all season.
0: So it's the reality? that, That
2: they've not been really punished for. It's a reality today, of course. Yeah, Of course. Listen. This is a Pachuca team who came to Estadio Azteca. By the way, you were undefeated for a year in Estadio Azteca. The last team to beat you was Pachuca. Yeah. The Pachuca who became champions in Liga MX. But that Pachuca had Nico Ibañez, the leading goal scorer of the league. That Pachuca had Victor Guzman, one of the best playmakers in the league. This Pachuca was very dynamic. They beat you
0: with aguacates. Mm. Oh God, this isn't bad. Yeah, a little, little bit of uh, guacamole. But let's see what if they can make guacamole out of the avocados that they have right now. This is their schedule now. The remaining Club America schedule. Uh, they're gonna visit your Tigres. Yes. They're at Chivas. Yes. For the Clasico Nacional, Leon, Monterrey, Cruz Azul, Pumas. So it's not necessarily an easy schedule that they have, especially in their in their next four or five matches. I'm being kind of nicer with Cruz Azul.
2: Yeah, well, if you, if you just go by simple numbers, every single one of them is repechaje at worst. Yeah. You know, it's one through 12. Um, that's the issue. And I'm going to briefly bring up Chivas, because um, that's what we naturally do when you talk America or Chivas, you bring up the other, the sure. rival. Everybody's been talking about how difficult for the schedule Chivas had. And they're third. And they're third. Yeah. And now, with a very accessible schedule, America's sixth going into the worst part of their schedule versus some teams with a lot to prove, a lot of them with playoff indications on the line already. This is a reality check for Club America and for Tan Ortiz because you look at their team, you look at the, the first two goals. Yeah. It's Miguel Ayun missing cues. It's the two center backs in Reyes and in uh, Araujo who are marking nobody, who aren't physical enough. It's Fidalgo not realizing he's a double six and leaving spaces. It's an avenue through that midfield. It's time and pressure after pressure on their goalkeeper and on that back line. And this has been happening all season. They've just been getting away with it.
0: It sounds like the way that you're phrasing it is is that it's not necessarily Oscar Jimenez's fault, although that's where the finger-pointing kind of went. Uh, How much of the blame should be on his shoulders?
2: Okay, so in this game, two out of three goals, he ha- he formed a part in it. Weren't necessarily his fault, but he was part of the fault. You look at the very first goal, Miguel, Ay- oh, sorry, not Layun, uh, Reyes on the left-hand side, uh, Fidalgo, Araujo, they all have a t- uh, some sort of time and effort um, that they didn't put in that's at fault for the goal. The second goal on the left-hand side, Layun and the center backs and the rebound, they've all got a lot of different things at play. Oscar Jimenez has been at fault in this game for two goals and throughout the season I counted maybe two, maybe three others. Yeah. But he's been the least of my worries if I'm an Americanista. That back line is horrid. Nestor Araujo, Cáceres, Reyes, it doesn't matter who's playing there, they've not been the solution. Whatever tandem you've gone to, not been the solution. Teams have figured America out that if it doesn't matter if it's Reyes on the left or Layun on the right, with those center backs and Fidalgo, they will leave you exposed. You will leave spaces because that's what America does. They will leave those spaces for you to afford because they bet so much offensively on what they can push up in terms of numbers in that final third that it's a one-track highway coming right back down their throat. And very dynamic teams, very fast teams, very physical teams, teams like Toluca, teams like Pachuca, teams like Santos at times have made it very difficult for Club America. And now the record, or sorry, now the schedule's gotten tougher.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that visit that they have this weekend, and, and we were watching these goals back, right? And the, the player who just really jumped out at me was Fidalgo, and the lack of yeah. pressuring the lack of being where he needed to be on the field. So I understand Oscar Jimenez's reaction is kind of like, OK, that was a little bit on me. But I feel like he was exhausted at the end of it as well, because his yeah, his and... vision wasn't clear at the end of the day. And you have to talk to your players, too. That's one thing I will say. If you're seeing those errors time and again, go up to them, talk to them. But I I don't think that blame has Here's to be on Here's the question.
2: Him. It's not about blame. Because yeah. now we're talking about should he be benched. Yeah. Not a talk, should he be? Well, there are reports that he's going to be benched. Yeah. But Lagoon, like the backup keeper, will be the starting goalkeeper. I don't think his play is warranted to be benched, his play. But I think mentally, if you go back to that game against Pachuca in El Estadio Azteca, you have a full stadium, and every time you touch the ball, you're the goalkeeper. You're being booed. They don't want you. You hear the boos. You understand what's going on. Yeah. That's going to affect you mentally. If there's one position on the field that I don't want affected mentally, if I'm the head coach, it's the goalkeeping position. So maybe I sit him back, take a breather, let Malagón go in, refresh your mind, re-energize, start over, start anew. Let's give him a chance.
0: That's fine. That's what I would do. If it's because of that, understand, I, I understand. And I know the fans miss Memo. Ochoa as well. Joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a whole thing. And, and f- I yes. think that's that's a part of it, right? Oscar Jimenez knows what it's like to come off the bench or be there when Memo was injured and he had well, a pretty decent performance. You just go but-
2: back to, to the previous goalkeepers for Club America, those are big shoes to fill. You have yeah. Memo Choa. Histórico de la Selección Mexicana and Club América. Mm-hmm. And you had Andres Marchesin. Yep. Who won important things there. Yeah. Allegi- no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> it's a very difficult situation, not just for Jimenez, but Malagón going to step into this this weekend.
0: Yep, absolutely. And we saw that calendar for America, of course, in the next uh, few weeks. This month they will play against Chivas, who has had a great run so far. We mentioned they were in third place.
2: Oh, producer Betha love that. Sorry
0: about this. They played Santos oh. at home. That's a terrible <laughs>
2: tradition, by the way. They
0: just I, I do like the mariachi. I hope they still have, uh yeah, kept we'll that going. War. And it's very, very classic. But anyway, don't distract from what's going on Victor in the Guzman. game. Victor Guzman Woo! again. Backing up our statements. And this too. This is wow. a very impressive
2: Azevedo, hit. Your, your favorite 80s rocker turned goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah. He's a quality <laughs> goalkeeper, but even he, even he cannot. Absorb so much pressure. What a golazo! Yes, it's a deflection right here. Uh, Doria right there. I think you could have done more with it, but it's deflected. And then, well, Acevedo doing Acevedo things, but wasn't enough.
0: Yeah, Acevedo having the opportunity to to still uh, write his name for the Mexican national team. Wacho Jimenez. What a season for Watcho yes. Jimenez.
2: Even when they got opportunities, he was just big. He was massive. Chivas, a very good defensive team,
0: but much like Club America. I think Wacho Jimenez has saved him from quite a few games. And, and Wacho Jimenez has put in the work to be able to be here now uh, for Chivas, of course, uh, who has now with Victor Guzman in this comeback. We mentioned his story the other day. Would you say he is the leading candidate, maybe, to be the MVP? Uh, what are we doing right now? MVP? Oh, we're doing top four. Top four finish. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm being a little bit too specific. Uh, Yeah, let's start big picture here for Chivas. Will they get the top four finish? Is that what you see in their future? I don't see how they can't. I think it
2: would be a fracaso. And I know, I know we've not used that word in a while because Sebi's not been here. But <laughs> fracaso if this Chivas team where they're sitting at right now doesn't make a top four finish. I, I will explain why. Listen, they, they've already beat the likes of Los Regios, mm-hmm. Tigres, and Monterrey. That's one and two on the table. Um, they've only lost to Luka, so they've already gone through that. Toluca, who was a finalist last season, by the way. Uh, they drew away at Pachuca. Pachuca's a very complicated rival. With the exception of America, who's coming up, Every single one of the players or the teams that they're going to face from here on out are mid table or worse. Yep. And I'm talking about the worst of the worst. Yeah. So it's on Chivas. Oh, and by the way, Alexis Vega, who was injured during this great run that they've had, is now coming back. So the rich get richer, and you could say what you want about them not convincing you in their play because I've said it. Yeah. They just grind out wins, they grind out results. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. But let me tell you something about good teams. Good teams, when they're not playing well, get results. And Chivas is getting results, Mm -hmm. so what can you say? It's on them to not get a top four finish, it really is.
0: Yeah, absolutely, with the calendar that they have uh, looking ahead. Mentally speaking, though, how much can Paunovic help his team to keep their feet on the ground with these rivals coming up?
2: That's a loaded question, because you've been You've been a correspondent uh, in Guadalajara. You know what it's like to play in that city. You know what Chivas means not only to that city but to all of Mexico or yeah. and internationally as well here in the States. It's a very high-profile situation. And oftentimes in the past, and I'm not even talking about the big past, I'm talking about this season to the last season to previous seasons, two, three years ago, um, there's always been discipline issues with these Chivas teams, these Chivas players. So that is a big question being asked of these players. But... Paravic, if anything, him and Fernando Hierro have gone about things in the most quiet, quiet of ways. And I say this with all due respect to a Miguel Herrera type, but he doesn't go out and tell you and pound his chest about how Miguel Herrera is changing Chivas or changing said team. They do this in a way that it's show me your work. Yep. And it's been working for them. And I really feel that ese baño de humildad, like that, that, the, the humility that he's brought to this Chivas team has really given them, well, everything. They're in third place right now.
0: I love the quiet confidence, especially with the team, because we were talking about the pressure that America puts yeah. on themselves. That's what Guadalajara does as well, because it's such a traditional team and they have that extra pressure as well. Okay, you play with Mexican players right. and you still have that pressure to succeed season in and season out. Yeah. And,
2: yeah. I don't know if it's realistic pressure, but they got it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I saw it day in and day out, of course, uh, a few years back but they have someone like Pocho Guzman. And I was getting ahead of myself because this is such an exciting player to yes. see now this season, especially with Guadalajara. Let's get back to it. Is he a candidate for MVP? Is he the leading candidate for MVP?
2: Uh, No. Oh, it, 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 just bear with me for a second. <laughs> the, the easy answer for everybody is like, what's Henry Martin? Look at Henry Martin and everything he's been doing. That's where my mind goes. Well, Henry Martin's got 10 goals already in this very young midway season. Yeah. He's got three assists. Uh, he seems to be the guy that keeps America going. And America faltered the now in sixth place. So that's the easy answer. I'm going to go with, and I know this is going to come as a surprise to many, but it's Nahuel Guzman of Tigres. Now let me explain why. Fine, I'll let you explain. Nahuel <laughs> Guzman of Tigres. Tigres, who, by the way, is in second place right now behind yeah. Monterrey. Tigres who's the best defensive team. Nahuel Guzman has only been scored in four games. And if you watch the games that Tigres has played, they shouldn't be the best defensive team. Mm-hmm. Nahuel Guzman has saved them every single step along the way. He's been the difference maker. On a league, in a league, or offensively, it's your bread and butter. Where players of that category always get the notoriety. It's Nahuel Guzman right now who, for me, for my money, is the best player in Liga MX.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I can see what you're, what you're saying. Because when we talk about Tigres, we automatically think of Andre Pierguignac, right? Before we think of Nahuel Guzman.
2: Or Nico Ibañez, or López, yeah. absolutely.
0: Yeah, I I do like what, what Victor Guzman is saying. I do understand why you're saying it. I still think it's Henry Martin at this moment. I want to see what he does. He's historic right now, but yeah. what can he do now the can, rest can of the you season? See,
2: really quickly, Can we let's give some flowers to, to Guzman, to Victor Guzman. Yeah. You know why people are calling this guy an MVP candidate? Just really quickly. Chivas is a team that historically in the last eight years their ninth overall, that's their average. It's mm-hmm. a ninth place average. One player, they're missing in everybody's mind, their best player, was his, which is Alexis Vega. One player changed the complexion of this team. One player who a few years back was already a Chivas player and then had a positive doping uh, case yeah. that they then reversed the sell-off and he went back to Pachuca, minded his business, did his job, won championships, got sold again to Chivas, and now they're realizing what they missed back then. This player single-handedly has elevated and changed the trajectory excuse me, of Chivas Guadalajara in a way that no player has done, quite frankly, since the Matias Almeida era. And it was a, it was a by committee, Pizarro, Pulido, Alanis, Cota, et cetera, et cetera. It's one player right now who's making the difference. And I will give Wacho uh, Jimenez a little asterisk there, even though he had a few goals he left for himself. <laughs>
0: I, I like that because, yeah, you do think of that team and the way that a lot of them were, were sold and kind of broken apart after that championship with Matias Almeida. And it was like, sold okay, this parts. guy, this guy, this guy. But it wasn't one important player. They wanted it to be Alan Polida with the money and the amount that they yeah. spent with him. And now it's, it's Guzmán. And I, and I mentioned what that comeback was for him mentally and what he's doing yeah. right now is so important. And we also talked about the, why we didn't see him, of course, on this national team roster. Uh, and now De Coca, of course, kind of using this excuse that he doesn't like where he's being played uh, right now oh, that's in, a, in Chivas. That's we'll we'll get top. to it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, I, I agree with you. Uh, let's take a, a listen, of course, now with uh, Baunovich on Coca.
3: Cuando un jugador está rindiendo, está en un gran gran estado de forma y cuando ha demostrado que que ha podido jugar en distintas posiciones, creo que esto suma. Para mí sería una suma, ¿no? Y, y como antes eh, decíamos que está teniendo una gran gran temporada, que está rindiendo muy bien, creo que esto esto es esto es positivo desde luego. Pero yo no me no me meto en las decisiones. De, de mis colegas y estoy abierto siempre al, al diálogo pero también no voy a permitir que nadie condicione um, a mi equipo ni a mis jugadores de cómo jugamos y más cuando el equipo está jugando bien y cuando los jugadores eh, tienen buen rendimiento.
0: Alright, so your initial thoughts on what Panovich uh, had to say about the situation. Um, he's right. Yeah.
2: Uh, who is Diego Coca to tell Velko Bonavich? or Victor Guzman, how he should play at Chivas. Listen, Victor Guzman, if you call him up when he's under your tutelage, when he's under your camp, you tell him how you want to play. Yep. This is a cop-out because we heard this from Diego Coca when they asked why Victor Guzman wasn't called up. Well, he played differently in a different position at Pachuca, I liked him there. Which is ironic because Tata Martino said he didn't like where he was played at Pachuca. And now that he's at Chivas, I don't like the way he's playing, even though Velko Panovic is getting the most out of
0: Victor Guzman. Yeah. In this midway Spelka season. should be taking notes. It,
2: absolutely. So, I agree with Velko Panovic. Uh What he says is very important. You can't condition my team or my player. That's really what it's about. He almost takes insult to it. I would be as well. Yeah. Um, There's really not much more to say about. I don't think there's a question who you
0: side with. No club should have to cater to the national team and possibly vice versa. Although I know this is kind of the eternal struggle. Do I want to lend my players? Do I want to risk them getting hurt? But in this situation, I don't think that they should put a wall in front of players like Victor Guzman who's having such a great season. If you don't like him, just say straight up, you know what, I don't like him, I don't see him fitting into my team. That's a completely different conversation and it ends there.
2: There, there are a few coaches out there who don't like the idea of having a dynamic central player. Um, they don't like the idea of having a ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victor Guzman, La whether they're wing play, in the wing or central, they are those creative dynamic players. He doesn't really have that taste, and that's fine. The only time I'm ever okay with a club or a club representative picking up the phone and talking to the head coach is if it's a non-FIFA fixture date, and you're like, hey, don't go not don't go overboard with the minutes. Yeah, You know, like help us out. Totally respect It's a that. non-FIFA fixture date. I get it, because it's the club who's lending you said player. You don't forcefully take them because it's not under your jurisdiction. The only time, but stuff like this, wow.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of put a bow on it, I love that Paunoich was like, I think it's great. If he can play more than one position, why not? I think and that, that would increase your value. Yes, it definitely adds adds value. We see so many players like that. We just talked about Edson Alvarez, of yeah. course, starting this edition of, of Football Americas. We're saying in Liga MX, we're uh, going to talk about Umas because they've uh, been struggling lately, of course, with uh, Rafa Puente del Rio. They played against Puebla. This is in the 11th minute. Nico Ferreira with a beautiful long pass here. They'll reception, shoots, uh, and mean, scores. Vertical play
2: is now a new thing under Rafa Puente. It's been oh, working geez. and this is just dumb. Oh, come on.
0: Yeah, wasn't in a dangerous part of the field, but check this out.
2: What, what a golazo. beautiful goal. Yeah. Golazo there by Hernandez. It's a beautiful shot. You're not getting that, Sosa. It's tied up, 1-1, one, one. their man down. Just Keep it steady. Yep. You got a result. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. No, no, Omar no. Fernandez again.
2: Angel Robles scores. Here's the crazy thing. Now you tie the game being a man down. Close up shop. Stop. Rafa Puente. Quit attacking that way. Take care of the result. He doesn't. There's a third. And for good measure.
0: Kirk's let's... voice is going to disappear now because of his frustration with Pumas. Yeah. <laughs> It's not the first time. I mean, it's, it's a rough go at it, right? It's, it's a 4-2. It's another bad result. It's their fifth loss of the season. Uh, is it time to start thinking about a different coach? Yeah,
2: and it's sad because they've given him only a six-month contract, so yeah. maybe they see it out. But there are clear-cut cues on when it's on the coach. Pumas is the most undisciplined team right now in Liga MX. Five red cards this season already. Five red cards. Now, sometimes when there's a red card, it's a bad challenge. It's an unfortunate play. It's on the player. No pasa nada. Nothing happens. It's fine. I get it. But that many red cards in a season, that's on the coach. That's on the coach. You have to put a stop and an end to these type of things. Now, are the players have,
0: frustrated? Is that why they're committing so many? I just don't
2: think they have direction. They don't have guidance. The concentration's not there. And what I, why, why I say this is you're playing at home. You desperately need points. You get a stupid red card. Close down shop. A 1-0 result in your favor is not to go keep an attack. Don't go keep attacking, commit numbers forward, leave yourself unprotected in the back line, and wait for something to happen. You absorb. You absorb, you absorb, you, absorb, you manage. You do time management. He didn't do that, and then they get tied on. And then he goes up again, to, or the, they absorb. Then he ties the game again, almost in the 70th minute. And instead of just saying, hey, a 1-1 one, one, or 2-2, two, two, excuse me, draw is an excellent result for where we are circumstantially in this game, being a man down for 70 minutes, he keeps attacking. Then the third and the fourth goal come in. Of course it's going to happen. And it's not just this game. It's been the same type of defensive miscues and tactical miscues on Rafa Puente's part.
0: So do you see his future a little unsteady because of what we've seen in the last four tournaments? He hasn't had a winning record
2: in the last four tournaments. I I believe it's... (laughs) If, if you go back to his last three teams, he's got, like, tw- the last 28 games, four wins. Yikes. You know, st- going across three different teams. And, and this is a tough one for us because his father is our colleague. Yeah. You know, Rafa Puente Sr. We like him very much. <laughs> awesome guy. You would never want to have a beer with anybody else but Rafa Puente. He's a ridiculously nice guy. And Rafa Puente Jr., Rafa Puente del Rio Jr., is one of these coaches, and I say this with all due respect, who speaks very well. Yeah, okay. you're you right. Tiene el verbo. He's got, he's got that verb. He's got, he's got the right way. Oh, when they present him in, with Querétaro, I thought, oh, it was like, put me in, coach. <laughs> he's got the right go. way of saying the right thing, and you think to yourself, new age coach, young, charismatic, maybe you can get to these players. But everything on the field has led you to believe otherwise.
0: Yeah, and it's a tough situation for him to, for him to be in. Speaking of, of Pumas, do you have anybody in mind that could maybe help out Pumas? They're 11th right now.
2: I don't think anybody can help out Pumas, if I'm being honest. It's, it's what, here's, here's the tough thing for Rafa Puente. He's going to be judged not by Pumas and Equipo Grande. That's a reality. I think people have let go of that theory with Pumas. Yeah. They, they understand the situation with Pumas. Yeah. It's that Andres Lilini did so much... With, with so little with so little yeah basically the same team and he made it to two finals yep. a league final and a continental final yep so every single manager that comes after will be judged by the same bar
0: and lilini went through a really important change yeah. from dead broke one season oh. to the next and and he still got the results and he still made the Pumas fan believe in this team, which I don't know if they do in this moment because, as I said, they're 11th right now in the standings for the Liga MX. This is how things sit right now. Monterrey is in first place. Four points away is Tigres in second place. Guadalajara as well with uh, 21 and there's Pachuca in the fourth. So right now, that's your lead. yeah, we you still have a lot, a lot, a lot to play. First place, you just 25 saved. points for the first place, who is Monterrey, and not Tigres, who is in second uh. place. We don't have time to discuss it. We have to run it back now. <laughs> Get out of the Arteaga, we're going to start with him. He got his second assist of the season. There it
2: is. It's great vision. I'm going to be very surprised if Gerardo Artiaga isn't number one on Diego Cocas call list at the left back position okay uh, I, I thought he was very very unfairly treated under tata martino we all know what happened in that olympic uh program did not go and he was axed and blacklisted so hopefully he gets back
0: all right so here's memo choa he recorded his second clean sheet in Serie A. for him with salernitana
2: yes uh this is a man who was brought there in case of emergency and yep. we are in emergency mode and he is responding second clean sheet in Serie A.
0: Yeah. Nil-nil against Sampdoria. Uh, they had won a 3-0 the last time that we saw him as a starter and he's putting up with the tough situation trying to help Salernitana of course uh, avoid that relegation spot. Jonathan David here he scored his 16th league uh, goal of the season how about it?
2: So. He was my best nine not too long ago heading into the World Cup of CONCACAF. I thought after the World Cup you would have made a a big money move. Arsenal, Atletico, in the mix. This is a player that absolutely must leave Ligue 1.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff from him with his 16 goal. And what about Alistair Johnson here? He nets his first SPL goal of the season.
2: Look at that. Brand new team. He got an assist last week, I believe, and now he's getting his first goal. Celebrates it. This is more commitment than it is actually anything else. It's, it's the determination to be there. He hits it with his like, gut. It goes in. They all count the same, I mean. Yeah,
0: exactly. A goal, a goal is a goal. But, yeah, that determination to beat the defender still. Run into the post and everything. We want to remind you guys that you can catch all of La Liga match is on ESPN+. Plus, Great game Saturday, Sunday. Can Real Madrid catch up to Barcelona? That is, of course, the big question heading into this coming weekend.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
0: To MLS, of course, now with LAFC and the match that they had. They unveiled their, their MLS Cup banner. Uh, a lot of stars that were there, bigger. of
2: course. It's as a, a lot ex- bigger than New York City's.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it looked great. I had the opportunity to be there. There's Gareth Bale, of course. Maxime Crepo, who we know is still recovering uh, from that really tough injury that we saw uh, in the final. Carlos Vela, of course, at the forefront. It, it was a great atmosphere. The fans were just happy to see their champions back and take the field, and uh, the players were happy with this uh, nice little ring that they had.
2: Yeah, a ridiculous ring, black diamonds. Obviously, the color scheme is pretty cool. The yeah. amount of diamonds for the, I think it was like 120-something minutes that Gareth Bell was on the field until he yep. scored. It's really cool. It, <laughs> it's cool. It's okay.
0: It's fine. Will Farrell are, are, are you okay? Are you sad that we're not seeing MLS highlights? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't have a ring.
2: Yeah. Will Farrell's sad that uh, MLS <laughs> is still negotiating with ESPN. So, Football America is going to bring you mm-hmm. highlights. Not the highlights they want, but the highlights that we want.
0: <laughs> uh, these are the kind of highlights that we don't want. Jasper Luffelson, thank you. Oh, no. Yeah, he was suspended and fined as well. They've issued a one-match suspension with an additional match suspension, of course, after this happened. Luffelson, for violent conduct, he spat at an opponent in the 14th minute of the Real Salt Lake game against, of course, the Vancouver uh, Whitecaps. Are you cool with it? Please no.
2: Hell no. <laughs> <That's> the most <laughs> disgusting, despicable, disrespectful thing you could ever do to another human being. I agree. It's one of the lowest forms of attack in my mind. Um and the fact that Major League Soccer only gave him one game yeah. is laughable. Straight up laughable. Their neighbors to the South Liga Mequis, if you want to go direct rec- correlation, uh, a few years back, a while back, I was still playing, must have been 2014 gave a player six games for spinning. You give him one? Yeah. You're trying to tell the That's rest of the world, we understand that Apple's on how many countries? I don't know, they will tell you. You can view their product on so many different countries, now you can view a, pi- a player spinning on you in so many different countries and in multiple languages, and we're only gonna give him one game. Yeah. Their picture quality is brilliant, by the way, so you got to see that in ridiculous <laughs> picture. One game, I've that is it not many cool.
0: times. Yeah and and it's a bad image it's quite literally spitting on MLS's image it's spitting on the opponent too because he's the one who got spat at and he's seeing just a one match suspension be like okay apparently that didn't deserve more that's disgusting it's
2: just it's just it's foul like you think about the lowest the, the way you can treat a human being to its lowest form that is it right there spitting yeah. on somebody is one of the most despicable acts you could do and i'm very surprised that it's only one game
0: Would you have given him six games? like Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. It's a a tough situation uh, to be in with with Lovelson, of course. Only a one-match suspension. But that's, of course, a question for uh, Don Garber, who uh, had a lot to say around, of course, Uh, MLS, the MLS Mm. commissioner. The club performance group, of course, will be focusing on helping those teams that are underperforming. What do you think of this?
2: Great. I think it's actually good. It's... Why not? It's uh, There's a unique opportunity here because they're single entity. So regardless of how you feel about single entity, the, the fact that they are single entity and the owners pull their losses, pull their winnings, makes it easier for you to do things or try to do things. So the fact that they see underperforming clubs in Major League Soccer and they're saying, hey, you're not pulling your weight is a great thing. You identified them. I think that's a brilliant thing. Which clubs need to be assessed? <laughs> how much time do we <laughs>
0: Um, All the time you need her. You
2: could say some legacy clubs would need to be accessed. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'm talking about the D.C. United's. um, Our co-host, Sebastian Salazar, is a diehard D.C. United fan. And he will tell you how much of a dumpster fire that club has been. Not only today, not only the stadium, but in years past. Such a rich history. Clubs with a rich history. Sleeping Giants. D.C. United. The San Jose earthquake. The San Jose earthquake when Jesse Farinelli was there uh, running at the helm you know, I used to have an on-air coach, and an on-air coach came up to me and he's like, hey, I had an interesting discussion with somebody in San Jose. They wanted to know how to deal with people like you. Stop worrying about how to deal with people like me and how to run your franchise. Yeah, exactly. Colorado, whose own owner couldn't bother, couldn't be bothered to show up on the opening day of his stadium, of a rebrand. Those are the legacy clubs that I would go for, that I would try to change, that I would try to make New England Revolution, get a stadium, you know, craft those clubs. But then what about the, what about the teams that are are doing well. And I say this and it hurts to say it because I'm a big Philly fan, Philly, Houston, um, New York, mm-hmm. these important markets in Major League Soccer where you're not relevant to your market. You have to also do something there. How to be relevant in said market? That's two sets of tiers of clubs that I would go for.
0: New York City FC and Red Bulls played against each other, right? It's a big rivalry. Yeah. Uh, I was able to cover that game. And in the city, I didn't see a lot of advertisement or, or a call to fans. You have Times Square. Yeah. Use it. Of course, I know I'm not saying it's the cheapest thing to be able to, to put up a sign or, or anything there, even if it's two second on the Jumbotron, but at least try something. And other teams, and it's not an, an excuse, right? If it's a new team, if it's an old team, I was able, again, of course, to go to, to Charlotte's home opener last season. We were staying downtown. And after the game, I went downtown and I saw so many people before, during, after the game with their jersey. There are stadium are absolutely knock it out the park. Yes, and that's where the money going, needs, needs to go and not maybe necessarily to sign a big player go, to bring yeah. to attract fans. To the going, stadium.
2: going back to what you're saying about Red Bull, um, this might have been last year, and, and producer better can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but there was a game at Red Bull where no active press bothered to show up for the presser after wow. the game. Yeah. You have to be relevant in a market like that. You have to be relevant in Major League Soccer. Like they, it's one thing to say, these owners aren't pulling their weight. But how do you make them relevant? And this is what these uh, committees, if you will, uh, should help uh, enforce.
0: And there are so many people out there who are so talented in marketing, who can find just such creative ways to bring fans to the game, to the stadium, because we're seeing it in other cities. Of course, we've yeah. seen record-setting, uh, of course, audiences. In MLS, especially to start the season, which is, of course, exciting. Uh, so I was saying that teams don't necessarily need to sign big players to bring in the fans, but, but Inter Miami is trying to bring in, of course, uh, somebody named Lionel Messi. You might have uh, heard of him. Uh, MLS would be flexible to allow the Messi move. This is, of course, John Garber. He said the league would be willing to think, quote, outside the box. What do you think? What'll, what will it take to bring someone like Messi to Major League Soccer? I fully believe for Major League
2: Soccer to be successful in this new era that it's, that it's upon us, they need their David Beckham move. Mm-hmm. David Beckham was a watershed moment in Major League Soccer. Per The Athletic, very good article, you should read it, Paul Tenario, Pablo Uh they spoke to Don Garber, and Don Garber pretty much broke down the deal. It was a five-year deal. It was like $250 million to David Beckham with the option to buy a franchise for $25 million, which is a bargain when you see what they're going for today. But he had to complete all five years of his stay for that to be triggered. Lionel Messi, he's a game-changer. He's yeah. a player. He's a, a persona that transcends sport that will do that for you. Now, does that mean you give him option, stake, in Inter-Miami, or a team? Like Las Vegas, a future franchise—excuse me, future franchise—because we know that Jorge, Jorge Messi, Leo Messi's father, yeah. and Commissioner Garber were in Las Vegas together at the Gold Cup final. We know that they met. We know that the proposition of Vegas was brought up. How do you go about giving Messi stocks, options, equity in the league for him to move forward, or does Apple come into play? Mm. Does because be. Same, same process that we saw um, in The Athletic, Garber did not deny or confirm that there's an opt-out by Apple if they don't hit a certain amount of subscribers. So now, does Apple, seeing what's on the horizon and how their game could be changed with a figure like Messi say, you know what, we will give you on the back end, off of subscriptions, some sort of options would that be a way to entice Messi I think so would that be something smart I think so but you need Leo Messi you need that figurehead you need that player you need that watershed moment like David Beckham
0: on and off the field the league would benefit enormously from someone like Lionel Messi Uh, how realistically is the situation in your mind considering that today it was announced that Neymar is out for the rest of the season
2: Oh I, I don't think Neymar has anything maybe to do. like
0: maybe like a looming uh, Champions League elimination maybe they What slip is Messi up. out
2: to prove? You know that's a, so I understand
0: I understand where we want to go no, with maybe this Maybe it's mo- it's more motivation that he probably doesn't need at this moment. He has to step to away from nothing. PSG. I'm not saying I'm not saying Messi has anything No to prove. I'm just saying like But mentality. maybe it's a motivation right? If PSG is out against against Bayern Munich if they're out in in league on which they're Obligated, and it's easy for them to win it. It'll be a very
2: difficult task for them. Then
0: it'll probably uh, be an easier decision for Messi to to say, okay, PSG. I don't think I'm winning the Champions League again with you. You're talking
2: about summertime move because yes, I I see where you're going with this. It's, It's it's very difficult, but I don't think there's anything that could entice Messi enough like a World Cup did, and I think that was the only thing left to really get him motivated, get him going, get him out of bed in the way it did. Staying at PSG or going to Saudi Arabia or coming to Major League Soccer, it's just how comfortable do I want to be and where do I want to be? And we know that he has a home in Miami. So I don't think it's that difficult of a task to get him enticed with the idea of playing in Miami.
0: Yeah, and I think his, his family would be happy too, right? Which is, <laughs> hey, that's an important part. Uh, Kirk, yes, Kirk would <laughs> Kirk yes, know it about is. it. Uh, all right, let's take it to St. Louis too, because speaking of uh, really positive images that we've seen uh, from MLS, uh, they won their inaugural home game and the Tifa was just... Amazing, it was a sellout crowd of 22,423 fans at City Park with a capacity of 22,500. Just so
2: amazing. It, it, like, if the, to the naked eye, you're like, hey, it's pretty empty. No, it's not empty. Mm-hmm. Look how crazy that is. Congratulations to everybody at St. Louis City SC. I'm trying to remember how to say that name. Yeah. It looked epic. <laughs> uh, it, what atmosphere to kick off the their second game, their opening game at home.
0: And this is what we were talking about, right? bringing the fans to the stadium to be able yeah. to have these moments and really kick off like these teams so, deserve. So
2: St. Louis in general has a lot of history, not as a major league soccer club, but just soccer in the States. Um, the the team that shocked England in the World Cup in the 50s, uh, five players were from St. Louis. There's a rich history of player from there. Um, the current players today on the national team, Josh Sargent, Um, and also uh, Tim Ream. It's rich in footballing history. To see them now have a team in St. Louis and respond the way that they have, and and not only in the way that they have, like with all due respect, most new teams, like Atlanta, Minnesota, uh, Charlotte, where they come out, but to be winning teams, to play a brand that, for better or worse, gets the fan on their feet, on the edge of their seat, that says something.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of expectation, of course, leading up to this moment. You guys talked about this moment, of course, with uh, Joao Klaus. Uh, we're going to listen to him and keep talking.
1: It hasn't happened yet, and it's almost like when they call you and they say, we have this project, and they have to describe something that doesn't exist yet. I'm going to ask you to describe what you think St. Louis City soccer will look like. like. How do you think this team will end up playing? What would you want to see this team look like?
3: I think... Uh the philo- As you say, the team is not there yet, but I think the philosophy in the club it's really clear for everyone. You know, it's the staff, it's the players. You know, they are building the team around this philosophy. You know, they know how they want to play. Uh, they know uh, the quality of the players that they need that will be good for the team. So. It's really clear for them, you know, so when I think about our team playing, like high intensity team, like transition team, uh, pressing, you know, uh, good quality, uh, that's how I see our team. Of course, when we start to play, it's different. Maybe I can be wrong and it doesn't work, but this is really clear how we want to play. You know, very few teams in Major League Soccer have a direct
2: reflection of the city and the playing style. Mm-hmm. From what it sounds like, it's going to be more of a blue-collar team, more
3: work. Uh, is that the, the feedback you're getting from the top down of what your style will be? Exactly. Exactly like that. Uh, from the top to the players, it's every day the same thing, you know? Like, this is our philosophy. We have to trust the way we want to play, you know? It's because in football... If you don't trust what you're doing, sometimes get complicated, you know. And so that's the message that the coach always says, you know, trust the process, trust in what we are doing. And, yeah, after we will see where we're going to go.
0: Uh, I like what he said last, trust the process because clearly it's worked for him. It's right. easier said
3: than done. Yeah.
2: Um, and you can tell he's a very intelligent, composed individual. I didn't know he had that in his game. You know, I, I, listen, your boy picked St. Louis City SC as his wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. I thought they would really struggle, and I wasn't the only one, but I really thought they would struggle coming into Major League Soccer. Say what you will about the gifts they were handed to them. Austin, the, one of their forwards, got a free gifts. you're right, that they were handed. Uh, <laughs> Austin uh, City, or Austin FC, excuse me, a, a gift right there. Uh, Cross got a gift himself, did very well to chip it after that. But the style has been exciting for better or worse They're yeah. a team that presses you and tries to run with you for 90 minutes. Uh, and what can you say about the, the home ambiance? He was completely right. They, they were doing the right things.
0: Yeah, and, and they, did, they did it right. We'll see if they can keep it yeah. moving now forward. Of course, it's very, very exciting. Speaking of exciting news as well. Chloe Ricketts is now a historic player. She became the youngest ever to sign a National Women's Soccer League contract. She's only 15 years old. She's a midfielder and signed a three year deal. This is, uh, when I was 15, I mean, having, having this pressure, now, I always think of that, of course. What
2: were you doing when you were 15?
0: Uh, I was playing varsity soccer, okay. of course. Okay. Uh, of and, course. And that, that was enough pressure. So, respects to Chloe Ricketts for making history with the National Women's Soccer League. What do you think about the fact that they're signing players starting at 15?
2: Pay em. Modern, just like the modern game, right? Um, that's what you have to do. Yep. You have to get a proper setup, and that means that players like around the world, on both the women's and men's side, yeah. very good players are starting to be in professional setups at the 15, 16, 17 years of age. And not only that, they are going not competing, but they're debuting. They're playing. This, this is something that has held, in my mind, U.S. soccer back for decades to not achieving. And I'll, go, I'll stay really quickly with them on the men's side, for example. Yeah. Um, you, in Major League Soccer, used to go through the draft and then Major League Soccer and you'd get your first pro games, pro games at 21, 22 years of age. When the rest of the world, they were already on their fourth year, fifth year as a pro by that age. So now to see your best players, it doesn't matter if it's women or men's side, competing at such a young age, it shows you how modern the game has gone how sophisticated the player is now so it's what you
0: exactly. need to do. yeah i think it's an impressive maturity level to take to make this decision uh talk about having a a job outside of school right of course yeah i mean but my high school job was you know what nothing. i you
2: know what i was doing when i was 15. what were you doing i was trying to get my driver's license and i was playing fifa all day that's
0: yeah what that's what a lot of us were doing uh, speaking of fifa in case you missed it uh more news of course on the women's side because they will now officially be a part of fifa 23. The Women's Champions League and, of course, the National Women's Soccer League. I'm already thinking about who, who I'm going to play with. Uh, there's so many uh, matchups. I mean, just for oh. starters, on the Champions League side, uh, Barcelona, Chelsea. I don't know. I, I want to play with Sam did, Kerr on my
2: team. I- I'm just going to say the women's uh, celebrations are way better than the men's. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that the new Gotham jersey? Hey. Oh, did they leak the Gotham jersey? Ooh. No.
0: Whoopsie. I like it. But let's see who's dripping or tripping now with Oakland Roots Soccer Club. They launched their 2023 kits. I I love it.
2: The fact that they did it with a Chevelle in the background, look at this, it's so dark. It's so filthy. Uh, shout out to the Oakland Roots and my man uh, Beast Mode for the jersey yes. that they sent. I already said, what size are you to let the good people know? Uh small. Small. Yeah. Sebby's an XS. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm going. a youth extra large. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> a large,
2: but these are straight, dripping. Um, Very pretty. I love ooh, I love what they're doing. I love when clubs go big. Both colors. Go big
0: or go home. Oh. Yeah, it, it's just such a different approach. I mean, right now, I can't think of any soccer jerseys that are like the Oakland Roots one. Uh,
2: no. no? The Minis- it was the Minnesota Aurora. Is that, is that it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, there's some pretty cool ones. Pretty oh, right. Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Well, Oh, he wasn't paying attention. Surprise! <laughs> well,
2: my good friends at Kansas sent this one last year. I appreciate it. There you go. There you
0: go. Yeah, I. Christina, thank you so much. Thank you. Unbelievable. It's such a fun time. Yeah. I, I come know. back soon. I will. All right. I will. I love L.A. Uh, hopefully, it's a little warmer next time I come. Out you you to know, it's going to be our
2: two-year anniversary.
0: I know. Thursday is the two-year anniversary. It's a little. It's just a, a little baby. Uh,
2: Ricky Pooch is going to be with oh, us Oh, good. if he's not too bored.
0: I was going to say he's. Not, I don't. I don't think he'll he'll yeah. get bored
2: to. too. You have a president, Jake Edwards. Yeah. Yep. Allie Riley. Wow. We got Allie star-studded. Riley.
0: Star-studded. A star-studded football Americas you can't miss on Thursday. I had so much fun. I I will come back if Thank you, you if you'll it. have me.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That's it for
0: us. See you next time on Football Americas.